0: Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Last Action Podcast. I am Hovercraft Joe, joined by LPJ. Hello, Hovercraft Joe. <laughs> I am you, joining you <laughs> as well. You always ask me to do the intro. You start it <laughs> off, and then I always, for some reason, sound like a robot when I try and do it.
1: <laughs> I don't know why.
0: I don't know. It's just, like, I can't do
1: it. You going I can't to do straight it up in Android mode. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't know. I can't do it naturally for some reason. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> regardless of that, uh welcome to the Last Action Podcast. It's just just me and you today, uh, LBJ. Yeah, it is. Just whole It's been a while since down. it was
1: just the two of us.
0: Uh yeah, I feel like it's been a bit since we've done one just us, and uh as as it seems to happen a lot when it's just you and me, we are doing a superhero movie.
1: <laughs> I know. The genesis of this was pretty great because <laughs> It was initially, it was going to be the three of us initially me, you, and Sphinx. And then Sphinx had something come up. And um, I just was like, you know what? The movie we watched that we were going to do, I just don't want to do it with just the two of us. I just don't want (laughs) to do it. I can't do it. And so, two two days ago.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, this is like two days ago. And you were like, I think we should do a different movie. And I was like, well, it's got to be one I've seen a ton. So I don't have to do like a lot of prep work for it. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, agreed. (laughs) Yeah. And you were like, well, what would your dream pick be then in that scenario? And I picked this week's movie, Guardians of the Galaxy.
1: Yeah. Which I'm totally cool with because (laughs) I love this movie as well.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's like I was probably going to watch it sometime soon anyway. So why not do it for the podcast? Well,
1: yeah. uh, You might as well. (laughs) We we might as well, uh, you know, kill two birds here and uh, have our entertainment be our work
0: exactly um so uh and this is crazy to think because i i i i didn't i mean i knew it's been a while but i didn't realize it had been this long release date on this august 1st 2014 so yeah. it's been a it's been a minute
1: since this has come out yeah we just hit the six-year anniversary of this
0: that's wild do you we, we have a pretty great uh uh like first time seeing this movie and i'm sure you remember it oh absolutely uh, <laughs> so we were um, we were up north. We were in Petoskey. We, we live in Michigan. We were up in uh, up north in Petoskey, Michigan. We were on a friendcation up there. Yeah,
1: we we, uh, we we take a friendcation every year. Not just not just Joe, and I. That would be a little yeah. weird. <laughs> we should specify. Uh, we have several friends that come with us, including our my wife and 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 other Jody and and his wife and various other people. Yeah, yeah, several okay, of us. You. It's not just like a mancation for you and i <laughs>
0: yes thank you for clarifying yeah, so, so anyways uh back in 2014 we were up in petoskey and it was august 1st 2014 and we were we were eating dinner and we kind of talked about how we wanted to see this movie and you know but we were on vacation so we weren't planning on it but then it kind of came we were like well hey we looked into showtime there's a movie theater in petoskey we should go see it but we are worried because they're like, well, we don't have tickets, and it's opening day, and all and all this stuff. So, so we kind of me, you, and uh, podcast guest Dave, podcast guest Jody, drove out there. We got there. We're like, oh no, this is going to be rough. We're not going to have enough time. And we got there, and there was probably like six other people at the showing.
1: Yeah, Petoskey not a big draw for the Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, I mean, I think just in general, we've been to that movie theater a couple of times and I've never seen it crowded. So, Uh, but it was just funny because we had like the mindset of like when we see movies around here and it's like you got to get tickets weeks in advance and get there early. And it was like we walked in like five minutes before it started and there was nothing but room in the theater.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) No, it was it was really kind of ideal.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, but we had a great time watching it. I remember even that first viewing just like laughing quite a bit We're
1: mm-hmm. right now and, and it, we were excited for the movie to begin with
0: oh yeah for sure i mean yeah i mean we were excited because one uh, marvel movies we're just excited about it, anyways but also like these characters are ones that we you know through various things that we've read in the comics we're we're kind of excited to see on screen
1: yeah yeah i would say between the two of us and dave like I, the general public didn't really have any kind of concept of what the Guardians of the Galaxy were, right? But you and I, we read all of so. We should probably back up and say there was an original Guardians of the Galaxy in the comics back in nineteen like sixty nine. It was created, totally different, right? Group. This was in was it two thousand like six ish, maybe something Seven? like that.
0: Like this incarnation, whenever uh, Annihilation Conquest was. Yeah, I feel like that's when this. And that's that was later. This, that
1: was like oh eight or oh nine. I feel like that's when this kind of formed.
0: Yeah, this kind of at least grouping of the guardians formed. Yeah, because because here is the wild thing about this. Like, I was looking into this, doing a little research on the actual comic end of this, and kind of like the main characters in this movie. But do you know, like, do you, do you have any idea when some of these characters were created? Like,
1: they they were all created a while ago. Like because Drax has been around since the since the 60s. Uh Rocket was around in the 70s. Uh well, I think Star Lord is the newest.
0: No, that is not true. Let me put it this way. The newest character in this movie is Nebula who was created okay. who who first appeared in uh, Avengers 257 in 1985. Okay. So, you have Star-Lord making a first appearance in Marvel Previews number 4 in January 1976. Okay. Gamora in Strange Tales number 180 in June 1975. Drax made his first appearance in The Invincible Iron Man number 55 in February of 1973. Okay. Rocket Raccoon. This is a little confusing, but I always thought he made his first appearance in Incredible Hulk 271, which is 1982. Apparently, it was in Marvel Preview number 7, which is 1976. And then you get even older because then you have Groot, who made his first appearance in Tales to Astonish number thirteen in November of
1: nineteen sixty. Yeah, I remember that. I, I remember that Groot is like one of the oldest.
0: And then and Ronan the Accuser was in Fantastic Four number sixty five in August of nineteen sixty seven. Mm-hmm. So little known characters, but not really new characters at all, which is kind of the wild thing about it.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was it was new in so far as. Like in the comics, Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning grouped them together for their kind of cosmic opera that they were creating. And um, it was new that these obscure characters were brought together. Uh, But you're right. They were not new characters at all.
0: Well, and it was, you know, kind of a a wild thing for Marvel to do at the time to just be like, here's this movie with nobody, you know.
1: Oh, yeah. There's the average person has no idea who these characters are. And I don't even know. Like, was it just Kevin Feige who thought, let's just do this?
0: I I think what it is, and and I've heard this, I didn't do any, like, deep research into it for the podcast, but is that, like, they really wanted to make, like, a team kind of movie, something like this, but they didn't have X-Men, they didn't have Fantastic Four. You know, it was kind of like, what else do we have the rights for that we can do kind of something like this with? Right. So I think that's part of where it came from, is wanting to do like a, a more like team focus, something like this, or even kind of get into the cosmic area of the Marvel universe and like, well, we can't use Fantastic Four and and that sort of stuff. So this is their entry
1: point. So yeah. well and and this was set up pretty well because they had Thor and Thor kind of introduced the whole kind of cosmic ish element of right. Marvel Comics. And so it wasn't it like this movie doesn't seem like a leap. Um, no, is when it at the time it came out? I mean, looking at it from afar, you're like, okay, you got Iron Man, Captain America, Hulk, Thor. Looking at it from afar, without out any context, this seems like a gigantic leap. <laughs> but they did a good job of kind of making it s- just work. Like it didn't seem like a it didn't seem like a big shock. Like it, I mean, it was a shock, but it didn't seem like it was <laughs> out of place. I should say
0: no. And I, and I went and looked cause I couldn't remember exactly when this kind of fits into the Marvel timeline. Like it's in, obviously it's in phase two, but it, it comes out, it comes out in between Thor, the dark world and captain America, winter, winter soldier. soldier. Yeah. So, which makes sense because if you remember the, uh, post-credit scene in Thor, the dark world has the collector in it.
1: Yep.
0: Cause they go and they give him the ether and, and blah, 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 blah. But anyways, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. Uh, budget on this movie, $200 million. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, D- kind of. <laughs> like it was, they reported $200 million, but it ended up going over. Right. But they got money, but, they got tax credits back from the British government. So it was a whole thing.
0: Right. Okay. So domestic gross, $333 million. Yep. Yeah. And a worldwide gross of seven hundred and seventy-two million dollars. So this was a success. juggernaut. Oh, this was a juggernaut.
1: And <laughs> yeah, man. Like when I saw, I thought it was going to do pretty well. I did not think it was going to do this well. Um, yeah. At least before seeing the movie.
0: It's true because it was kind of like you, you said. Like it was. I mean, we kind of had expectations for it, but like it, it was a, like a question mark. Like, well, this is very different from anything they had put in front of us before. So you didn't know I was going to go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, you got to credit James Gunn, I think for that, you know, you, you got to credit James Gunn for this movie as much as you would, um, John Favreau for Iron Man, you know, right. by creating that kind of, that by having the, by, by creating the template for this style movie.
0: Right. And well, that, and, you know, one thing that I feel about this is like and maybe this I don't know, maybe this is better discussed later. But like a, a big like criticism of Marvel movies sometimes is that, you know, like you, they're not really given a chance to directors aren't really given a chance to kind of do their own vision or do their own thing. But I feel like this movie, like James Gunn kind of, I mean, we'll get into it in a little bit, but he wrote it or yep. co-wrote it, at least he directed it. And I feel like it's very much his vision of what he wanted to make the movie. You know, I don't think there was a lot of outside hands working in this. I'm sure there were some story beats or some things maybe he had to like tie in or put in, but like for the most part, I think it's a move, the movie that he wanted to make.
1: I agree with that. And, you know, and he said as much, uh, you know, he, especially after seeing the second movie, because the second movie, they obviously had specific things they had to accomplish uh, yeah. just for the sake of the greater Marvel cinematic universe but it, it very much feels like a James Gunn movie. Yeah. In much I, the same way that, you know, Thor Ragnarok feels like a, a Taika Waititi movie.
0: Right. I'm glad you said his name because I still can't say it. Right. Yeah,
1: no, I know. <laughs> um,
0: so uh, Rotten Tomatoes on Guardians is 91%. Yeah. And uh, audience score of 92%. So that, that all tracks with me.
1: I absolutely agree. I think this you know what, this is one of the more beloved Marvel movies, without a question.
0: I would agree with that. Um, now, as far as the top grossing movies of 2014, this is always interesting, because I, I think I mentioned this a few times, but I always do them as the uh, in-year release, as opposed to the calendar release. So it's not, I don't know exactly, I always like to go for the in-year releases, which I think it just means it's the movies that came out that year, and not necessarily what they grossed over a calendar
1: year. Got I yeah. believe that's
0: the difference. Yep. So if you go by the in-year release, Guardians is actually number three for the year
1: yep.
0: um, behind American Sniper and Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1, which uh, American Sniper surprises me a little bit. I guess I always forget that that movie made a lot of money. Yeah, but
1: I had no idea. I've never seen the movie. I've never had any desire to see the movie. I don't know remember
0: that. I think the numbers they they just give are also these are just domestic gross numbers. So, um, so oh, like I yeah. said, Gu- Guardians came in three, and the only other movie that I could find that we had done in 2014, and again, I'm always surprised that this one's so low, uh, is number 77, which is John Wick. But I guess that wasn't, I guess that wasn't necessarily like a money making juggernaut. That was just kind of like a overperformed, like it didn't cost that much to make.
1: Well, that movie. That movie didn't do well in the theater, but it built up steam over time.
0: Right, that's what it is, yeah. And,
1: and you know, it was the home video release that really propelled that over the edge, which made two, John Wick 2 and John Wick 3 massive successes.
0: Right, which uh, I just, did you just see this uh-huh. is unrelated to the movie that they said, that they're like, we're filming, we're making a John Wick 4 and 5, and we're going to film them back to back.
1: Yeah, I'm <laughs> real excited about that.
0: <laughs> um all right let's let let's get into the cast and then we'll we'll flow into those networks so a big cast on this uh mm-hmm. obviously with any like uh team kind of film like
1: this you're gonna have oh do we over people. i mean we said james Gunn, but did we say anything else we, oh you wrote it as well
0: yeah uh yeah i mean he james gunn directed it he wrote it with uh nicole perlman yep uh and then i mean the the composer is Tyler Bates He's done? He's done some other movies we covered. I think he. Uh, I was looking at the yeah. Story right no, now he I, did
1: um um, uh, three hundred.
0: Okay, and I think there were there was something else that he did that, that, that we covered, but it's eluding me right now. But anyways, I, I would say that like his score is fine. Oh, I don't think it's anything. John Wick. That's what it is. The John Wick movies. Yeah, uh, his score is fine. I, I mean, I don't think anything about it. I, stands out. I mean, maybe the main theme a little bit obviously the star attraction to this is the soundtrack for the movie.
1: Yeah. It really is. All the
0: all like that that 70s rock that uh James Gunn put into it, 70s rock and pop. Uh, and I saw that this was the uh first ever soundtrack to hit number 1 on like the Billboard like Hot 200 that the first ever soundtrack that didn't feature any original music or song in it that yep. it, it, it hit number 1, mm-hmm. which which I do remember the soundtrack being huge when the movie
1: it was so. gigantic. It I would, the movie the soundtrack was as famous as the movie was.
0: That is very true. And even rewatching it just, you know, last night I was like, man, these are good songs. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> and they work so well, you know, in the movie. It's like uh, you know, there there's certain directors and and I obviously think James Gunn is one of them who's very good at kind of like picking the songs for his movies and putting them in and having them sound, you know, great and perfect, you know.
1: Yeah, well that and that was part of it too like they finished the tyler bates finished the score and james gonna had the soundtrack already laid out by the time they were getting ready to shoot so that okay. he would play the music live on set for the for the actress to hear while they were while they were in character
0: okay got it got it got it got it got it okay so cast on this like i said this is quite a few people so let's 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 roll through it uh you got chris pratt as yep. star lord mm-hmm it's like crazy that he kind of leads this movie. I what do you say? He dropped like sixty pounds to get in shape for this movie.
1: Yeah, which yeah, after seeing him in Parks and Rec, yeah, it was definitely yeah. sixty pounds.
0: <laughs> um, uh, Zoe Saldana as Gamora. Um, you got Dave Bautista, which I'm sure you're always psyched about as uh, Drax.
1: You know, I am huh? a big Bautista fan, just in general. <laughs> He's great in uh in Blade Runner uh, 2045, twenty forty five or whatever it is. Blade the new Blade Runner movie. Uh, uh, what about what
0: about as uh, remember he plays the henchman in Spectre. Uh, yeah. yeah,
1: he's plays he plays he, uh, Mr. Hinks.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, so do they call him Drex the Destroyer at all in this movie? Yeah. I can't remember. Once okay. they
1: mentioned it once in the prison.
0: Okay, so then you also have uh, the voice of Bradley Cooper mm-hmm. as Rocket Raccoon. Yep, uh, and <laughs> Vin Diesel as uh, Groot. Yep which is hilarious. Um, Karen Gillan uh, as Nebula. Uh, your boy Lee Pace as Ronan the Accuser. I don't know why he's your boy. I just decided well, he is.
1: I like. I love Lee Pace in this movie. I've never seen him in anything else. So I have <laughs> no idea what he A actually looks like or B actually sounds like.
0: <laughs> okay, and we're not even done yet. So we also have uh, Juman Hansu. Yep. Uh, what, what's his character's name again? I'm drawing Cor- a blank. Uh, Cor- yes, that's it. Uh, Michael Roker, Rooker, 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 playing Yondu. Mm-hmm. Uh Benicio del Toro as the collector. Mm-hmm. Uh, John C. Riley as whatever his character's name is. Roman Day. Man, thanks for covering my back. The no problem, and then then perhaps the craziest thing of all this movie is that Glenn Close is in it yeah. playing Nova Prime,
1: which blows my mind that a she would do it, uh, b that it would just be that role, like yeah, and- like. What I, my guess is she probably wanted a role that, you know, wasn't gonna be around very long.
0: Yeah, I guess that's true. It's just wild, like rewatching it. I'm like, Glenn Close is in this movie. It's so weird. I yeah. mean, she only has a couple scenes, but it's just like, I don't know. It's so weird that she's in this movie. But,
1: but they're pivotal scenes and she does a great job. Yeah, I
0: mean that's I mean, the the more these Marvel movies go on, I think the more people are like, Hey, I can do this. You know, they're it it they're fairly well. I mean, not respected, but at least received. And you know, I could probably get a decent payday from doing it. So,
1: well, yeah. Actually, uh, <laughs> a funny story. Um, Bradley Cooper was on. I think it was. I think he was on Howard Stern or somebody. And he said that he got more money doing the voice of Rocket Raccoon in this movie than he did for The Hangover and uh, Silver Linings Playbook combined.
0: <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So now that we've gone through all those people, it, it's just me and you, but let's buzz through these networks, okay? You're, gonna, right. you're, go, you're going solo. Let's see how you can do, all right? Jaman Hansu.
1: Mm, five million.
0: Twelve million.
1: Hey, all right, good for him. Michael Rooker. Rooker's doing okay. I'm going to go 25. Eight million. Oh, Michael Rooker, come on, <laughs> what are you doing? Benicio Del Toro. 25? Forty-five million. Hey, all right. Oh, he got the Sicario money.
0: <laughs> when I was talking with uh, <laughs> our, uh, when I was talking with that friend Dave, he claimed it was uh, the Wolfman money that he had.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I bet that's what it is. <laughs> uh,
0: what about John C. Riley?
1: Um, he acts. He's in a lot of stuff. I'll say, I'll say fifty. Forty-five. So right. pretty close. Uh,
0: speaking of close, Glenn Close. Ooh,
1: seventy-five uh 50 million. All right. Your boy Lee Pace, my boy, my boy Lee <laughs> Pace, who I've never seen in anything else. Um 12. 5 million. Oh, poor Lee Pace. Uh,
0: what about Karen Gillan, Amy Pond herself? Uh 15. 2.
1: <laughs> really? Yeah, wow, two. That's so weird.
0: Uh Bradley Cooper.
1: He's got like a production company and stuff uh 35
0: 100 million dollars all
1: right i I was lowball with that production company (laughs) he's got
0: all that uh limitless money oh that's what (laughs) it is
1: uh what about dave batista see batista's weird because he lost all of his money before he was before he made this movie okay so i don't know where he's at now uh i'll say i'll say 25 16 million okay uh, what about Vin Diesel? <laughs> Dude, Vin's rolling in money. I remember what yeah. we were talking about from uh, Fast and Furious. <clears> he's got something crazy like he's over 200.
0: Okay, is that, is, that's not an official guess. Or 200. Uh, 225 million. Okay,
1: yeah. I knew he was, he's was. he got some fat money.
0: And then last two, uh, Zoe Saldana? I don't know, 15. 35. Oh, wow. And Chris Pratt?
1: Pratt's doing pretty well now. I'm going to say 50.
0: Uh, close, $60 million. So, right. yeah, Made it through that cast. Quite a few people, but, you know. Um, and then Sphinx isn't here, but I did look into the taglines for us. Look at that. Pull a, um,
1: pull a double duty today.
0: Kind of a mixed bag. So these are the taglines. The first one, you're welcome. Not sure how that fits in or applies, but that's what it was listed as.
1: All right, <coughs> not great.
0: Next one. All heroes start somewhere. Which actually I rewatched the the like first trailer for this, and that's like the tagline in the first trailer. Yeah. So okay. Still not great. This one may be the best. When things get bad, they'll do their worst. Which I'm like, that was okay. pretty good. That makes sense. I like that one. And then this one, I think sometimes uh, IMDB gets a little liberal with what they consider a tagline, because this one is from the studio that brought you the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So again, I don't know if they fully know what uh, a tagline is, but that's but uh, they said that was one of them. So
1: yeah, I got nothing on that. That was <laughs> terrible. You know, I will say this: this movie was probably very difficult to market.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I think like the marketing. I, I mean, I remember it being marketed a lot, but I feel sure. like the marketing was like, "Hey, we're Marvel." <laughs> <laughs> just like just like come see this movie because you like all our other movies like honestly
1: yeah you're i mean it's probably what they would have had to do they're like yeah we, we built up some cred come see this one too i mean it's like hey
0: this is kind of like we're making star wars so come see it yeah it's just like this movie has a very very big star wars vibe to it obviously oh
1: yeah absolutely no 100 percent does i would say between that and you know like a heist movie yeah, you know, it's got a it, it absolutely does. You know,
0: it's fun. I, I just I, I just recalling this out, but I remember uh, before this movie came out, I actually it was one of those things where they show at like I, I went and saw it AMC 20 and it was like a, a special look at like Guardians of the Galaxy. So yeah. it wasn't like wasn't like a sneak preview of the entire movie, but you win and they showed like a whole scene from it. In this case, they showed like the entire like escape from the kiln on it, like the entire oh, wow. prison break. So it was like you got to see that on the screen, and then I think they showed like the newest trailer. So it was kind of cool. I remember when I went though, I was secretly hoping they were going to show like the whole movie, you know. But uh, alas, <laughs> I did not. But uh, I just, I just remember that because I, I remember I also did the same thing when Doctor Strange came out. So, uh, anyways, <laughs> um, anything else that you want to cover specifically before we start kind of going through at least uh, the, the plot of this?
1: Um. Anything specifically that I want to go Thanks. over? <laughs> no, I think we're pretty good. Um, uh, I mean, want, there's a lot. Did you want to cover that
0: I read that Vin Diesel recorded his lines while wearing stilts in yeah. order to get an idea
1: of, of how tall Root was? Uh, yeah, I read that, too. And I was like, wait, was he on set? Like, <laughs> to, was he? And then I read him um, and then I read some more. And I'm like, well, no, Sean Gunn basically did. He did all rocket stuff. I think he did some of Groot stuff too, didn't he?
0: Maybe like as a, like a, like a stand-in that's on set. That's what I mean, yeah. But, but no, I don't think Vin Diesel was on yeah, set Yeah, I don't at think, all, no. well, that's
1: what I was reading. I was like, yeah, and then I read that he had, he wasn't on set, he wasn't on set at all. So then I'm like, so he stood on stilts to record his lines the entire time.
0: I feel like that he maybe did it like a couple of times and then was like, all right, I got it. Like, I don't think he were, it's, I mean, you he know did what? only.
1: Re- I bet he did.
0: I mean, he did only have the one line, although I did read that he recorded, uh, the I am Groot over a thousand times and he did it in all the different languages where the movie was going to be released. So like they didn't use like a fill in for him. It was actually him saying it in all the different languages,
1: Mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting. Well, and he was, I I remember seeing articles and and hearing interviews that he was super excited to be Groot. And like it, uh, this was something that he did right after Paul Walker died. And, um, he said that the lightness and kind of hope that the character presented helped him out kind of dealing with all of that.
0: Right. Yeah. And I, I did see that too. So, and, and plus he probably got some decent bank to just sit in a booth for a couple of days and say, I am Groot.
1: Oh hell yeah. <laughs> you kidding me? That's like his, that's probably his dream job. He could probably work out while he's doing it. It was great. But it's like, it's so funny that like Marvel could have gotten anybody
0: to do this voice. Like, it, it's just like, you know, but it's so funny that they're like, hey, let's get this huge popular star right now to come in. And mm-hmm. like, all he's going to say is this one line, which
1: I think it's kind of funny. Yeah, but you know what? It was he He is the perfect voice for it. It's true. Like, it's true. I it, can't think of anyone else. I have uh, oh, no, I don't actually have a role reversal for 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 Groot, but uh, but he's he's the perfect voice. I can't think of anyone else. Who would do it justice?
0: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, that, that, it is one of those things now where it's like going, thinking back on it, it's hard to imagine someone else doing it, even in such a weird kind of thing where it is just him saying, I am Groot over and over again. He does yeah. present it in different ways throughout the movie in different, you know, situations and different uh, readings of it, which, you know, it, it is very interesting.
1: Yeah, no, I agree.
0: Uh, okay, so let's run through this plot. All right. Yes. So I, I will say this, you know, what's really funny. Uh, I realize that I don't when generally when I'm watching this movie, I skip over the beginning of it. Cause it is a huge bummer.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. Oh wow. It's a super bummer.
0: And I was like, wow, this is the first time I've watched this opening like three minutes and forever. Usually I skip right to the Marvel credits. Cause we open on earth in 1988. Uh, it's introduction to young Peter Quill. I don't know how old he's supposed to be at the beginning of this movie. Um, he's probably
1: he's probably like 10 or 11
0: right but his mom is passing away dying about to die from cancer she like gives him a gift and he's there when it happens but he like runs out of the room because he's so upset and he runs outside and that immediately gets like beamed up by a spaceship yep uh cut to 26 years later uh we're on morag uh we're introduced to the adult peter quill uh doing some fun stuff singing <laughs> and grabbing those rats and singing them like their microphones, you know, you know, you know send like some, people do. Using <laughs> some cool, like science stuff to recreate like a holographic image of this like ancient society and stuff like that. Very like Indiana Jones and in space kind of vibe going on at the beginning of this. It really and is.
1: Like, <laughs> it is very Indiana Jones meets Star Wars.
0: Yeah. And, and what I, what I kind of like about uh star Lord is that because he was taken from earth, you know, in 1988, let's say he was probably somewhere between like eight and eleven years old. He put, he's very much in our age range yeah. in real life. So like all his like pop culture references that he's stuck with, like from that time when he was on earth, like are ones that really resonate with me for the most part. Oh absolutely. like uh, I was just thinking at the beginning here when he when he's getting the orb uh out of the out of the thing and like uh and uh jaman Hansu shows up. And, like, the the Sicarian soldiers are there, and he, like, calls one of them a ninja turtle. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But that's, like, this is kind of, like, the perfect, like, introduction to the kind of humor you're going to get in this is the part where, like, he tells him, he's like, oh, he's Peter Quill. And he's like, and then he's like, oh, you might know me by another name. And he's like, Star-Lord. And uh, Juman Hatsu's just like,
1: who? (laughs) (laughs) That was in the trailer, too
0: yeah it was very much featured in the trailer so it's it kind of funny but yeah so you get kind of a little action sequence there where jaman hantu's trying to retrieve the orb which we don't know what's kind of going on with it yet and we get to see his like rocket boots and his mask and all his kind of stuff mm-hmm. in effect uh in his ship the milano which is named after alissa milano of course yep another 1980s reference well sure um uh, yeah, but he ends up uh blasting out of there and, and flying away and getting away with this orb that we're still trying to figure out what it is. Uh cut to the dark aster which is Ronan the Accuser ship. Now, I will say this up front, Ronan the Accuser to me is the weakest part of this movie.
1: Uh yeah, I I agree. I think he is the weakest part of this movie and it stinks because the character is cool.
0: Yeah, like, it's a cool it's a cool character, but I think they're trying to be like very they tried to make him very like one-dimensional like villain in this yeah and it just doesn't work and i and i and like we can get to a little bit later but the fact that like because i read in some drafts as a script or they even consider not having thanos in this movie mm-hmm. which i almost think would work better for this because in my mind i'm like why does thanos need ronan to do this for him at all like couldn't he just send Gamora Nebula to do this? Like why I don't understand like I feel like they Thanos is in this movie just because they're like hey we teased Thanos at the end of the Avengers and now he's in this movie.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the part that Marvel shoehorned in is is Thanos. Um because they hadn't even really cast him officially until like until they decided to put him in and that's when they cast yeah. James Brolin and they didn't even really announce that it was James Brolin. Um, or Josh Brolin? I'm sorry, Josh Brolin. Yeah, you know, and, I, and that's kind of funny
0: too, because you know, like I, I was like, oh yeah, I was pretty sure that they had, they had decided upon him before, but I I didn't quite remember until like the scene that he was in, you know, when he's actually, and I was like, okay, I was like, that is his voice, but I yeah. couldn't remember at first. I was like, had they like decided it was him at this point? But I think this was the had. movie
1: that they kind of introduced him at. As yeah, yeah, because he wasn't in anything else other than anything well, else. Yeah. I mean,
0: he's in that last scene at the original Avengers, but he doesn't say anything. He's just, they right, just right. show him in it. Yeah. This no. is the first way he talks. So, anyways, like I said, Ronan's kind of a weak part. His whole thing is that he's, the Kree's been at war with Xandar, and they just signed this peace treaty, and he's not happy about it, and he still wants to destroy Xandar. So, Thanos is like, Xandar is the home
1: of the the Nova. Makar is essentially like the galactic police force.
0: Right. So uh, Thanos is like, hey, if you get this orb for me, I'll destroy Xandar for you. And that's kind of their deal that they have going on. Uh, so they send, they, they find out that they miss the orb. They send Gamora to go find it. Uh, we go to Xandar where Star Lord's there. He's trying to sell the orb. He's supposed to give it to Yondu, but he didn't. He took it. Gamora's trying to stop him. Yondo puts a bondi- bounty out on him. That's where we introduced the rocket and Groot because they're there and they're going to try and capture this, uh, this bounty on him. Uh, we get that great, uh, action sequence where it's kind of like they're all fighting to try and get the orb. Um, some funny stuff in there. I like, I really like that rocket and, uh, Groot are just trying to put him in like a giant bag. Yeah, just like, just put
1: him in a big sack. That's it. When he's
0: I, And I, I still laugh every time at the one where, um, when he tells him to put him in the bag, and he's he's putting like Gamora in the bag, and he's like learn, he's like learn genders.
1: <laughs> Man, um, Bradley Cooper kills it in this movie. Like he really does. Rocket is, I, Rocket's easily the best character in this movie.
0: It's true. He, he's really good. I read that he said that he based his uh, like his character of uh, Rocket on Danny DeVito. <laughs> Weird. Which, I mean, I kind of get, actually, if yeah. you think about it from that, from that prison. So, yeah, I get um, you. Right. So the Nova Corps shows up and arrests all of them. Uh, you get that scene that was featured in a lot of the trailers where it's kind of like the lineup and they're doing like the rundown of like uh, mm-hmm. all all of them and stuff like that. Uh, so they send them to the Kiln. Uh, Kiln or Kiln? Kiln. Kiln?
1: Kiln. K-I-L-N. Kiln. K-Y-L-N. K-Y-L-N. Sorry, Kiln. Yep. <laughs> so it's like a space prison.
0: Um, uh, they go there. Uh, that's what. That's what. This is. It's funny because Chris Bragg lost all that weight and got Jack. But this is like the only part of the movie when they first show up the prison and they're yeah. like spraying him down, and you see that he's Jack. But other than that, you like the whole movie, you wouldn't be able to tell. So yeah. it's kind of wild.
1: Um, In fact, actually, the whole movie, he's essentially wearing body armor because um, of the fight scenes. They actually did a lot of them were full contact.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so we definitely didn't even have to do it. Uh, uh, but, you know, I I think it, you know, maybe it just gets you in the right mindset to do a movie like this. So, um, so they're at this prison. I was very confused about this prison. I mean, I get it. It's a space prison, but it seemed like that they were free to kind of just like walk around and like leave their cells whenever they wanted to.
1: Well, they explained that in. Um, did you read Annihilation? The first mm-hmm.
0: I, I haven't on a long time. All right,
1: well, they explain it in there that essentially it's like they just sort of let the prisoners kind of run wild because they all have. They all essentially have life sentences uh-huh. and um, it's in it's in like an area of radiation. And they can't actually really get out. Like okay. even 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 if they get out of the kiln, there's no place to go. And the atmosphere there, whatever it we'll kill them anyway. Um, so they just kind of let them do what they do. Uh, and the guards are essentially just there to sort of run the day-to-day activities and make sure they get fed. And that's about it.
0: Gotcha. And that's why in the movie that like rocket has that line about where he's like, he's like, Oh, the guards are here just to make sure we don't leave. They don't care what, what we do in the prison. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, because what what you, what you we kind of find out is that all the prisoners in there, they want to, like, kill Gamora because she works for – they know that she's a daughter of Thanos, and Thanos is kind of such a terrible dude. And that's where Drax is already in this prison where we're introduced to him, and he really wants to kill Gamora because she's working for uh, Ronan, and Ronan, Ronan killed his family. Mm-hmm. So uh, you get that scene where they, they take Gamora, and they're going to, like uh, – they're gonna kill her, but Starlet shows up and saves her. That I still I really like the uh, when he when he does the, the yeah, finger to the throat. throat, and he's like he's like, why would I put my finger to his throat? And he's like it's it's a metaphor for for killing someone. I just like that guy the other guy is there. He's like, you know what I'm talking about? And the guy's like, yeah. And then uh, Drax looking at me, he's like, no,
1: I don't know. <laughs> Batista's great in this too.
0: Like, yeah, he
1: plays it, the character so perfect. Well, and it's very interesting because I'm not like I
0: feel like that they kind of took an interesting take on Drax for this. Yeah, like in as much as from what I remember, he's not kind of like he is in this movie. Like in the comics, he's not as like this no. like stoic who doesn't he takes everything literal and stuff like that. Like
1: no, in the comics, he's um he's just kind of you know like an like a regular but kind of angry guy and more, more like the Punisher, I would say.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. That's, but he that's kind of this, what he
1: has. Yeah. He's more like the Punisher, but he has, he's actually, he was a regular, like human. And right. he was genetically modified to, uh, be the only person who can kill Thanos.
0: Right. Because Thanos is the one that killed his family. Right. Like in the, in the comics. Okay. Yep. Got
1: it. And so he has this like insatiable urge, whatever he's near Thanos, just to kill him.
0: Right, which leads to that awesome scene in the Annihilation comic. Oh, but I want, oh, yeah. I, I won't spoil that for people. No, people, people, should, should, people should read it. You it's fantastic. Should, should, should read that. So, anyway, so they agree. He agrees. He's like, "Well, I won't kill Gamora because Ronan will probably come looking for her." Blah blah blah. Uh, and Gamora tells him that they have someone to sell the orb to if they can get out of there. So that's when they uh, rocket concocts his plan uh that's gonna get him out of there uh and it, it's that great scene where he's talking about all the stuff that he needs to get out of there and then he's yep. talking about this like the special battery that he needs but like <laughs> you know like he's like oh but you know once we take this battery all the, the alarms are gonna be known so make sure we do it last but all the while in the back you see the Groot's like going to where it is and he's like growing up and he just like rips it out of the wall and like all the alarms uh start going off he's like, so I, I guess we're doing it now <laughs> Yeah, that's it's it's really funny. Um oh we did skip over. There is a quick scene where uh Ronan visits with Thanos. Yeah. Uh he and he totally kills that guy that was like uh in Avengers, who was like uh Thanos' hype man basically. Uh the guy I can't remember what his name was. He was played by Alexis Denisov in the Avengers movie. Yeah, I don't uh, remember
1: I don't remember what his name is. But he but he kills them uh, on each hand. Yeah,
0: I do, I do like uh, uh, in that one because I like that little exchange with Thanos basically just is like, uh, you you suck, uh, Ronan. Just like, get out of here. <laughs> um, which again, anyways,
1: which again, why does he need Ronan?
0: He doesn't. Uh, it, it really doesn't make sense. Um, but then like so then you get like the 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 whole escape from prison, which is really cool. And like uh, he's got uh, Star Lord trying to get that guy's robotic leg, uh, and I I love when Drax jump, jumps in and starts helping him out. Uh, when he's like, he's like, you man who was laying with an Asgardian, because <laughs> he was talking about it earlier, and like uh, it's it's really funny. Uh, and it is still super funny when you find out that he spent all that time getting the robotic leg and rockets. Like, oh yeah, I don't need that. I just thought it would be funny. He's like, was it funny seeing him like hop around? <laughs> On one leg. Um, so his like plan. Uh, ultimately, they take like the um, kind of the command module. They knock out all the uh, atmosphere, the gravity, and then they attach like the flying guns to it. I don't know. It doesn't really make sense to me, but it looks cool because it flies up in the air and like shoots out the prison. And then yep. they they get to the uh, they get to the um, like the, the hangar. Yep. and they escape. I do like the little bit where they're all getting their gear out and uh, yeah. rockets like. They crumpled my pants up in a ball. That's rude. They folded <laughs> yours. That always cracks me up. And that that little scene where we finally get to see Solo do something really cool when he's going back to get his um, Walk his man. Walkman back, and he's using those cool guns, yes. Which I thought in the comics they were like element guns or something like they shot like fire and ice or something like that. I don't maybe remember.
1: I'm, well, I guess in, remember. in the comics they don't even look like that. In the comic they look like a uh, like a. Uh, like a 1960s sci fi blaster.
0: Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, it's been a, yeah, it's been a minute since I, I read any of that stuff. So, um, so anyway, so they escape and they're they're gonna go. Gamora's gonna take them to their buyer. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about how gross it is in that scene when they're in the plane and like she's talking about how how filthy his, his ship is, and he's <laughs> like uh, he's like uh, she has no idea. If you had a black light, this place would look like a Jackson Pollock painting. And I'm like. <laughs> I'm like, that's really gross, actually, the more uh-huh. you think about he it. He
1: improvised that scene, too, I was reading. Oh, that. really? Yeah. <laughs>
0: so um then then we're introduced to the collector, and he's hanging out. The collector is, well, that's who Benicio Del Toro plays. He's, yeah. I mean, he is an established Marvel character, and he kind of, like, I mean, I know it sounds stupid to say it, like, but he, he collects things. Yeah, that's really what he, it is. People, objects, like we kind of see in his collection. One of the things I noticed specifically is he has a uh, dark elf in there, yep. uh, but he also has uh, Cosmo, who is a uh, telepathic Russian cosmonaut. Dog cosmonaut dog, yeah, yeah. Who's a great character in the in the comics.
1: And kind oh, of he's super great it. in the comics. He's actually it, he's essentially not the leader, but he's like the like the he runs their base essentially.
0: Right and um, but yeah, it was kind of cool. He looks just like he does in the comics. Oh the yeah, movie totally. But like with like the like the helmet and like the little bit of the outfit, uh, so it's cool. Uh, so they show up uh, where the collector lives. It's uh, nowhere, which is the severed head of an ancient celestial being, which I'm assuming is supposed to be a celestial, right? Like, yeah, no,
1: yeah, it's a celestial.
0: Okay, so uh, they're waiting to meet up with the uh, collector. There's that weird sport that they're like betting on, and like the cantina plays and i'm not yeah. exactly sure how it works it's but. almost
1: like uh like i don't know if it's like they race like they're racing the lizard guys but they have the big lizard guy out there and if a big lizard guy eats the little <laughs> lizard guys then the big lizard guy wins or i don't, I remember don't know it exactly looks, how it works it looks cool when you
0: get drax and rocket getting drunk so it's kind of funny yeah that's right uh, <laughs> um and gamora and uh star lord kind of talk and um that's where he, he the phrase "pelvic sorcery" comes out, which I think is funny too. <laughs> uh, so they're interd- they go they meet with the collector. Um, oh, here's one thing that's really funny. Uh, not really funny. I noticed right before when Drax goes into that thing to call uh, yeah. Ronin and the guy's talking about his order. One of the things he says is like the Kornex batteries. I think those are those the same batteries like from the second movie, the the like big thing when they go and the rocket seals them. I don't know. I should have looked into a oh, little bit. I more, don't but... know.
1: I think you're right.
0: And he also talks about kotate seeds, which to me was really interesting because the big Marvel event that's happening right now in the comics is called Empire. And uh, the Kotate are like a uh, alien race and they're involved in it. So, anyways, uh... but so anyways, they go to the collector's place. He he opens the orb. He explains to him that inside is an infinity stone. We get a little primer on the infinity stone. If you don't know what the infinity stones are, we're not going to cover all of them right now. But this is the power stone. Yep. It's one of six? six? Yep. Six. Um, his uh, One of the, his, like, basically servant slave in there, she tries to grab it, and it blows her up and blows up most of his collection. Uh, but they make it out, and they, they bring the orb with them. So, uh, Drax had called Ronan. Ronan shows up. There's a big fight, uh, that he fights. I didn't like how easily that Ronan kind of beats up Drax in this. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I feel I, like Ron-
1: you're right. I mean, he seemed, Ronan seemed very overpowered before, even before, you know, he gets a hold of the Power Stone.
0: Right. So, so he beats up Drax. Meanwhile, like Gamoran, uh, uh, Rocket and, uh, Starler, they're flying like these mining things from the uh, from nowhere around. Uh, they end up stuck in space, uh, and uh, Nebula gets the the power stone. Um, he has to save her, which I don't understand why he couldn't put the mask on her and then get back in the ship. But anyways, he calls. Yondu. Well, I think it's because the
1: ship was only they only had room for one person in the ship.
0: I know, but I'm saying if he put the mask on her in space, oh, and then and he, then he got, got back in the ship, back in the ship, or just put her in the ship and kept his mask. on. Anyways. Nitpicking, so he calls Yandu. Yandu picks him up, saves him, but he's gonna kill him anyways. They convince him, they're like, Hey, we can't let Ronin have this uh stone, you help us get it, and we'll give it to you, and then you can sell it to somebody else. Yep, um, okay, so then uh, I, I do love that scene where he they're trying to figure out the plan where uh, Starlord tells him that he has 12. <laughs> And that great scene where rockets where rockets laughing, and he's like, "That's a fake laugh."
1: Yeah, he's like, "It's real." That was in the trailer too. That was in the trailer yep. too. It was really. It was I remember really that really being part. a big selling point.
0: And they kind of like all get together, and they said, "I love when they're all standing up, and like Rocket doesn't want to, and then he's like, oh, 'Ah, we're all a bunch of jackasses standing in a circle.' So, um, their plan is that they're gonna, because in a convenient kind of twist, like in order apparently to destroy the planet. He has to touch the power stone to the surface, and then that will kill every like living thing. Yeah, I'm not sure planet. how that
1: works because in the in like the little description they give, he essentially doesn't even have to touch the stone. He just has to like tap his staff on the ground.
0: Well, yeah, that's and he what does that. Yeah, because he gets it in the hammer, and then at certain points it looks like he's shooting like the energy out of the hammer. So couldn't he just like shoot it down on the surface? I guess
1: I don't know. I'm not sure how it works. It's you know, it's all very ambig- ambiguous as far as how it's these stones true. work.
0: It's true, and it's nitpicky, so I won't I won't dwell on it. So their plan is that they're going to occupy, stop the ship from reaching the ground. Star Lord and and Yondu and them are going to go on the ship. And they're going to use this uh, gun that Rocket created, the uh, Hadron Hadron Collider,
1: Collider something. Hadron, Exc- some kind of gun that shoots a big bullet.
0: Right. And they're going to use it to uh, kill Ronan. Um, so <laughs> um, I don't know how I feel because, uh, like, eventually the Nova Corps shows up to help them. Uh, and they do that weird thing where they kind of all, like, interlock the ships together, which is yeah. a really cool visual. Sure. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. It's just, like, I don't know. I guess it looks cool, but I don't know. For some reason, that always, I'm like, hey, why, why would their ships do that generally? Like, in this specific case, I get it because it stops the ship from going forward. But in
1: general, why would they do that? Well, I think that's what it's for. It's for blockading things. Okay.
0: All right, fair enough. Uh, Yondu doesn't make it on the dark Aster. He crashes on the ground. He gets shot down. I love, 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 love that scene because yes. he has. We should explain quickly. Yondu has like uh, in the movie he has like it's like a telepathically controlled like arrow almost. Yeah. Is that am I describing it
1: pretty good? Yeah. Well, I think the arrow is actually supposed to be sentient. Like it has its own. Oh, like it's, okay. Like it's 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 its own thing. Like it's a, like it's an entity. And okay, but he, he can but control he can, it. Dr-
0: with that thing on its head. Yeah. And apparently by whistling. Because it's that great scene where all the Sicarians are surrounding him on the ground. Yeah. And he just like pulls out and it just like goes through and kills like ten guys. More than it's that, really it was strange.
1: it was at least at least twenty guys.
0: And then, and then they all uh drop down on the ground. It's really cool. Uh meanwhile on the ship you get them making their way toward uh <laughs> i'm sorry i'm laughing because i think when they're making their way toward where ronin is and like uh drax is talking about how excited how happy he is to have friends and he's like this dumb tree he's my friend and he's like (laughs) this green whore (laughs) that's that's really funny it cracks me up um uh, and then, so when they're trying to get to uh, Ronan, they run into Korath again. That's when he calls him Star Lord, and it's genuinely uh, really delightful to see how yeah. happy, like, oh finally, how how, how happy uh, Quill is when someone finally calls him Star Lord. Uh, I love when he fight when Drax kills uh, Korath, and you get the callback to the metaphor. <laughs> and He's just like finger to the throat means death metaphor, and, <laughs> <laughs> and Star Lord's just like yeah, sorta. <laughs> um gamora and nebula fight like nebula falls off the ship but she lands on one of the ravager ships so it's all fine i guess um rodent somehow survives the blast from the gun directly to his chest which i'm not quite sure how that works but well, he just I mean, does he
1: hurt like he had a big hole in him basically
0: yeah but then like rocket crashes his ship into it and the whole dark Aster is going down so groot basically turns his body into a cocoon made out of all his, like the wood parts of him and stuff like that. Um, says we are Groot. The only time he says something different oh, in the yeah. movie and then it crashes. They survive because of Groot, but Groot is dead. Um, Ronan shows up and he doesn't touch the stone to so the ground right away. I don't know why.
1: Yeah. You think he just like, all right, let's take care of this and then do it. Yeah. And just boom, touch the stone end it, no, he
0: doesn't. Cause he's talking to him. Uh, he distracts him with the sweet dance-off uh, dance, dance off
1: thing. Yeah, which is ridiculous, but awesome.
0: <laughs> yes, and Rocket, meanwhile, has, like, repaired that gun, so he's able to shoot it, and it it hits his uh, hammer and sets what? the stone free. Yep. Um, and, and Quill's able to grab it, and they talked earlier about how, like, oh, it's too powerful for any one person to hold on to, but then kind of, like, all the Guardians join hands, and... Uh, Peter's uh, Quill is able to use it to uh, kill uh, Ronan. I think that's in the he's the one that originally calls them the Guardians of the Galaxy, and then yes. like, I, I, Quill says it again when he right before he kills him, which is pretty sweet. Um, and then uh, Yondo comes to get the orb, but he gives him a fake one. Uh, kind of in the wrap up, Star Lord finds out from the Nova Corps that he's only half Terran they're like they're like oh the the other part of you is something ancient and they think that maybe that's why he was able to hold on to the um the stone for as long as he did without dying yeah you know, there's a oh, lot oh. of
1: there's a lot of foreshadowing to the second movie in this that I didn't catch until this time around because this is the first time I've watched it since I've seen the second movie yeah and i was surprised at how much like They allude to things in the second movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because that's like basically directly setting up. Well, I mean, it makes sense that James Gunn probably wrote them both. So he probably had an idea of where he wanted to take the story to set some of this up for.
1: Well, that was the thing. I think he wrote, he had the idea for all three of them because the third one's being produced. He wrote, he's wrote the third one. Um, So I think he had kind of the plan, the arc the whole time.
0: Right. Which makes sense. So it would make sense that he would be planting seeds. You get that little nod to the comics that you kind of explain where like uh, Gamora's talking to Drax and she's like, oh, well, you know, your your family can rest easy knowing they've been avenged. And he's like, well, he's like, Ronan was just a puppet. He's like, it's really Thanos I need to kill, which is like, you know of that cool little nod to it. Um the guardians are pardoned of all their crimes by the Nova Corps. Uh, <laughs> I, I love that little bit where they're like asking him about crimes and, and Drax is like uh basically like what if I what if I find someone irksome and I rip their spine out and John <laughs> C. Riley's like that's actually murder. Uh what are the worst crimes of all? <laughs> and I just like how Drax is kind of like, interesting like you didn't know. Uh and then then the kind of the ultimate ending is that like at the beginning of the movie uh, Peter's mom had given him, right before she died Like a letter and a gift But he, he didn't open it, you know, because he was so distraught So he finally opens this letter That he had kept with him the whole time And, and the, like, the letter is like, ah, you know It's kind of the sentimental stuff She does refer to him as Star-Lord in it yep. uh, But then, then the gift is the uh, uh, Awesome Mixtape Volume 2 So he, yep. he puts it in the tape deck And they they fly off that great line Where he asks him if they want to do something good Or something bad, or a bit of both
1: Yep, a bit of
0: both um, <laughs> and then the the post credit scene, the one is just—I mean, they're both kind of inconsequential. Yep. The one is just like because Groot is dead, but they find a twig. The way the Groot works in the comics is that as any part of him survives, you just can like replant him and he'll regrow from it. Right. So so he has like a twig and it's in a potted plant. It sprouts like a little tiny baby twig and it's like dancing, but like every time Drax looks over, it stops dancing. Yeah, it's just funny. kind of a, it's just kind of a funny bit. And then when you get all the way to the end of the credit, you got the collector. He's sitting, he's sitting in his ruined kind of house and Cosmo's there and he's just like licking him. <laughs> and then he cut to the weirdest cameo of all time, uh, Howard the Duck, who yeah. apparently was in his collection just sitting there and he's just like, oh, why do you let him lick you like that? It's gross.
1: Voiced by... Uh, Seth Green. Seth Green, yeah.
0: Which is wild. But And that's the end. It, it's kind of interesting because in some ways it is very self-contained. I mean, it doesn't really lead into anything from the ending of it. You know, the the end credit sequence art to kind of promote. I mean, the next movie is Captain America where soldiers. So, I mean, this is kind of almost a standalone other than kind of the Thanos of it all. And, And
1: yeah, it is standalone, but there's a lot of seeds in it for other things that you don't even realize are seeds for other things until those other things happen.
0: That's true. I was, I couldn't help, but watch that opening scene and think of, uh, when it's revisited in Endgame where Rhodey and Nebula are watching yeah. uh, Star-Lord, yep. but it's without the music. So it's just like him, like dancing and like singing out loud. And I, I was like, oh, it's so funny because they, you know, but anyways. But yeah, I mean, it does. I mean, it, it, it's the first, I, I mean, well, okay. I guess they call the Ether and Infinity Stone at that end credit scene. Yes. And Thor: Dark World, but it's our first real introduction to all of the Infinity Stones. Our first real introduction to Thanos yep. and and kind of what he's all about. So, so again, I think it. You're right. I think it does seed a lot of things for for down the road.
1: Yeah, and not just that. Again, like for the second movie, there's I, I was surprised, like all the stuff that like um, that Yandu and Sean Gunn at the very end, the two line, the two like throwaway lines, We should have, uh, you know. Glad we didn't drop him off with his father. guy was a jerk. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's all kinds of little things foreshadowing, and I remember, I remember seeing this movie and thinking to myself, "Oh, I wonder who his dad's gonna be," because you knew it was gonna I, be somebody. I, I
0: love the ongoing bit we didn't talk about where they, where uh, Yondu keeps telling Quill about how yeah. like the crew wanted to eat him when they first brought him on board, and he stopped him. and like. And I just love it with Quill. I can't remember exactly but he's like. He's like, you keep asking me to be grateful for that. He's like, normal people don't even think about eating somebody else. (laughs) So that's. uh, But yeah, I didn't even think about that because they do like talk about how. And that's like one of the big parts uh, that gets explained in the second one is that they were hired to bring him by his dad. And very interesting stuff. But yes. um, Do you have some role reversals for this?
1: I do. Hold on one second. I have to pull that up. Okay. Because
0: uh, I saw a few, but obviously I, I, when, I, when I see that in my research, I try not to look too much at it.
1: Right. Alright, I have quite a few. Here they are right here. Okay, so we'll start, with, we'll start with Gamora. Okay. So Olivia Wilde was offered the role and actually turned it down. Oh, okay. And then they also, uh, they also screen tested Gina Carano.
0: Interesting. Yep. Yeah,
1: Rachel Nichols. Okay. And Adrian Palicki.
0: I think she would have been, I, I would have supported Adrian Palicki. I yeah. mean, I, I think, I think uh, Zoe Saldana does great, but
1: I, I think Zoe Saldana is definitely the best choice of them.
0: It, it's always so hard now with some of these, you know, like, I mean, like for lack of a better word, like iconic roles at this point to picture sure. somebody else in them. Now that they've been in multiple movies and stuff like that, it's hard to imagine someone else in the role.
1: That's fair. Yeah. Uh, so for the voice of rocket, uh, Adam Sandler, I think would have been terrible. I, I saw
0: that. That No. Uh,
1: David Tennant, which I think would have been good, but not... I don't, think, I don't the, think the comedy would have been there.
0: And I don't think he could have... I don't know. I just feel like he... I mean, Tennant's great. I don't know if he could have delivered... I don't know if the snarkiness would have worked as exactly. well from him.
1: Yep. Uh, Charlto Char- 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 Char-
0: Copley, Oh, the uh, Mad Murdoch in yeah. the 18 movie. Okay, I think you would been yeah. good. Yeah, I, okay, I'll give you
1: that. And then Jim Carrey.
0: No, no boo. No, thank no. you. Uh. Uh-uh. No. no. Uh. Uh-uh.
1: Um, so there were three. So they didn't specify who they they auditioned for. I kind of pieced it together that maybe it was for Nova Prime. Um, but Hugh Laurie, okay, Alan Rickman, okay, and Ken Watanabe.
0: I wish, I wish it was Rickman. <laughs> yeah, I wish
1: it was Rickman, too. That would have been great. That would have been um, awesome. But So Drax, uh, Isaiah Mustafa, who I don't know who that is. I don't recognize the name, but I don't really know who that is. I
0: feel like he's the guy in like some of those Old Spice commercials. That's...
1: Oh, yeah, you're right. He is. He's, <laughs> he's, in the, he's the ones that uh, he's in the Old Spice commercials that uh, what's his name are not in. Terry Crews. Terry Crews are not in. Uh, <laughs> Brian Patrick Wade, who I have no idea who that is. And uh, Jason Momoa. Uh, but Momoa turned down the role because he didn't want to be pigeonholed into doing action, like being a, a thug action star. <laughs> this is this. Is,
0: this is, I'm assuming before he was Aquaman. This
1: is before he was Aquaman. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then there's so many for, for Star Lord. Oh my god. Yeah. So Joel Edgerton. Okay. Eddie Redmayne. Okay. Jensen Ackles. Okay. <laughs> who I, I think he would have probably done a pretty okay, pretty pretty okay job. Uh, yeah. Lee Pace actually was uh, screen tested for it, but then ended up being obviously Ronan. Uh, Wes Bentley, eh. yeah, uh, yeah. Jack Huston. I don't know who he is. I recognize the name yeah. though. Yeah, um, I'm not sure. What other ones do I recognize? Oh, Garrett Hedlund. I think Garrett Hedlund been yeah. pretty good. It'd have been okay. Uh, James Marsden.
0: Joseph, yeah, of course.
1: Joseph Gordon-Levitt. <laughs> uh, Adrian or Aaron Paul. Um, Michael Rosenbaum, who is in the movie. who's in the second movie. Yeah. Uh, John Krasinski. Uh, That's it. Uh, I think Krasinski would have been pretty good.
0: Yeah. And I remember, uh, I I think I remember around the time that like, that Marvel was really, I think, keen on uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt for the role. Yeah. But he opted to do, I think, the Sin
1: City sequel (laughs) instead of this. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been around the same time.
0: So, and I think James Gunn was the big kind of driving force behind getting Chris Pratt the role. Yeah. Was...
1: Well, I read um, in, in the research I was doing, he said he didn't even initially want to screen test him. And then somebody said, e- you got to just see him. And within 30 seconds, he said, yeah, this is Peter Quill. Like so he just there's... won him over instantly.
0: Yeah, which is like, there's a, in that list, there's a lot of good actors you mentioned, but it's it's hard to picture somebody else besides him playing the role.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, yeah, so that's all I had for, uh, th- that's all I had for. <laughs> that's it. all
0: you had, you just like went through all those names, it's like, nah, that's all I could find. That's, it. that's all I had. <laughs> well, I think that was, uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention, uh, really, that I, I came across in my research, which I, I was surprised to see, but they said like in the early drafts of this, and that originally was going to feature an Iron Man cameo. And I'm just like, I wonder how that would have worked at all. Like, I understand, like, it was like a reference, like how he was in the comics. He was part of the Guardians for a brief period of time. But I'm just curious as to how that would have worked at all. Because this movie is no, The movie doesn't take place anywhere near or earth or anything like that. So I don't know how it would have worked.
1: And that was this thing before, before um, James Gunn rewrote the script, it was a completely different movie. Yeah. That uh, what's her name Nora or whatever I can't think her name off the top of my head. Now. Uh, Nicole Perlman. Nicole yeah. Perlman wrote a script. It was totally different. And then yeah. James Gunn basically rewrite rewrote the entire script. And they only kept a couple things from Nicole Perlman. Uh, but the majority okay. of it was totally rewritten by James Gunn. Okay, got it. So so I, yeah
0: yeah I don't know I I just never seen that so I was just curious as to how it would have worked but I guess I guess really if it was a completely different script than it could have, there could have been a lot of possibilities to mm-hmm. work them into it. So, but I'm, I'm glad they didn't. Cause that would have felt forced. Yeah.
1: Point. It would have been weird. I, I don't know that I would have liked it.
0: Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, uh, do you, do you think we're ready to rate this
1: one? Yeah. Let me hit the button. <laughs> Alrighty. Machine guns, machine gunning. Okay. <laughs> um, why don't you go first? I will go first. I was going to say, why don't I go first? All right. Well then
0: we're, we're of the same mind.
1: I'm going to go first. Um, I really like this movie a lot. Like I, I forgot how funny it was. I will say this admittedly. It's not as funny the third or fourth time, just because, you know, you know where the jokes are, but the jokes are still funny. Oh Um, yeah. 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 The movie's super enjoyable. I really like all the characters. I think, I think everybody in it does a great job. Um, I do wish they would have used Ronan. I think Lee Pace as Ronan the Accuser was good. I think they would have used him better though.
0: Like I yeah. wish they
1: would have used him better. Um overall, I'm gonna go. I really like this movie a lot. I'm gonna go four I'm gonna go four point five with this. Okay. Four point five with uh, shots.
0: <laughs> I'm pretty much honestly in the same boat with you. I I really enjoy this movie. I mean I think it's it's one of those ones uh, that I've probably seen most of any of the Marvel ones because it's just like I saw it a lot. I own it on Blu-ray. It was on. It's still on TV all the time. Uh, and now, I mean, I watched it on Disney Plus this time just because for convenience. But like you said, I mean, it's maybe some of it it's not as funny, you know, I repeat viewing. But the jokes are still there, and they're and they're still great. Um, I love everyone's performance in this. I think everyone does a great job with their characters. Um, but, yeah, I do think that Ronan is kind of the, the the weak link of this whole movie. And not that he's a bad character. I think he's just used poorly. I think they could have maybe I, – I don't know. I just don't kind of like what they do, and it's very underdeveloped in, in my mind. And the whole having Thanos in it doesn't really make sense. So I'll give it uh, four and a 4.5, 4.5 as well.
1: All right. We are in agreement. So, yeah, it's a great movie. Just go see it. And uh, yeah. the stuff that we didn't like, eh, it's still good. We just didn't yeah. like if it you, as much. If you haven't
0: seen it at this point, you definitely should. Yeah,
1: like if you haven't seen it at this point, what is wrong with you? And if you have,
0: watch it again, because yeah, it's great.
1: Yeah, it's good. Um all right. Well I want to thank our guests for being here. Uh, no, <laughs> no guests. Uh I wanna Aww. thank Sphinx for oh no, Sphinx, no. Dang it. Uh I want to thank Hovercraft Joe for being here.
0: Thanks, bud. I want to thank you for being here.
1: Thanks. I, I feel good being here. Um and I also want to thank the patrons. Uh, patrons, we appreciate you, uh, helping us out and, uh, supporting us on Patreon and, um, you can, we have a, a show for you every month called, um, the post credit scene, which, uh, we'll have to record one at some point for, for August. We haven't <laughs> thought about that yet. Uh, but it's where you can check us out, uh, on, on, on Patreon. It was with the post credit scene. We've also got, uh, behind the DM screen for, um, Noobs and Dragons, which is on Wednesdays on the GameZilla Media podcast, GameZilla Media Network, and uh, we got all kinds of stuff. Um, Plus, we've got all the other shows, like the GameZilla show on Mondays, and on... No, they record Mondays. We release on Mondays. On Tuesdays is when they release. (laughs) On Wednesdays is Noobs and Dragons. On Thursdays is The Legend of Retro. That's right. And uh, we have a Simpsons podcast, too, but that's kind of taking a hiatus at the moment. Uh, But they will be back once quarantine is over, right? Um, what did I miss? anything else? Check us out on nah, Instagram, I, yeah, Instagram, Facebook,
0: Facebook uh, you know, uh, you know,
1: Twitter ish,
0: yeah, Twitter ish. Always, we're always excited for feedback, and well, we're, we're always looking for movie suggestions, so always, you know, let us know if there's somebody you want us to cover. Because,
1: yeah, the best way to do that is actually join our Discord. Uh, if you go to gamesillimedia.com, you can get a link to our Discord. And uh, join the conversation. It's not just us; it's all the podcasts on the network. Uh, but we yeah. do have a dedicated channel just for us, and that's where we connect really the best with all of our fans. We're constantly on there, always saying hi, uh, taking suggestions. People make fun of us; it's great. It's a whole lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I that. it really is.
0: It's a lot of fun. Uh, I, when I when I first when you first kind of forced me to join i wasn't sure but it, it's been a lot of fun since i've been on there and it's did great i did I have to
1: download the app on your phone for you i think uh, I you remember think,
0: that i think you like supervised me doing it like you told me to do it and i was like yeah, yeah, yeah i'll do it you're like no, do it now yeah <laughs> so but no it's great and it, like you said it's great to have kind of that uh, direct interaction we, we love to hear from you guys on there so
1: yep absolutely uh yeah oh you know what i didn't do you know what i totally forgot to do
0: I have no idea.
1: I completely forgot to pull up uh oh I, you know I'll, I'll I'll edit it in. I was going to pull up our end credits and play them live, but I'll just I'll edit it in later. That's what we'll do. Yeah, sure. You Why know not? that's a little behind the scenes for you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll, I'll do that little, later. Little,
0: yeah, so you'll you'll hear it. So, um yeah, no. Great movie. It's always fun to to cover one of these Marvel movies. You know they're you know they're my favorite, so
1: <laughs> Yeah, we're definitely going to be doing more of them. That is for certain because there's like a million of them.
0: Yeah, and if I still one of these days, whether it's going to be an actual episode or it's going to be a post-credit scene, we are going to rank all the Marvel movies thus far. I've been pushing for that for almost as long as I've been on the podcast.
1: Yeah, yes. Yes. Especially now that one day. Especially now that like phase 4 is over or phase yeah, phase 4 is over. Like the big the, Well, Yeah, the
0: Infinity Saga, the Infinity saga is it. over. is is over. So I feel like we can rank those. But you yeah. know what? We'll figure it out.
1: Yeah. But anyway, this episode of the Last Action Podcast has been terminated. But we'll be back.